You be proud of this game, and you can do a great deal for football today. Great deal for all the players and the league and everything else. Oh, I see him looking. I'm closing. <laughs> I was born in it. Molded by it. Yeah, so they, they got to wake up with a piss out. You're talking about Rasool. Hey, what up? It's Mercedes Lewis here, aka Big Dog. And you're listening to Poor Man's Packers Podcast. Go Pack Go. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Poor Man's Packers Podcast, the Rolling Packers Podcast in the state of our minds. I am Spencer, joined once again this week with Andrew. Andrew? Hey. And uh, not a very good week. I don't know if you remember, the Green Bay Packers lost to the New York Giants in London 27-22. to We watched the game at Lynn Lake Brewing in Uptown Minneapolis. And Andrew, you, what did you have to do when we were in the midst of watching this I, game? As we discussed last week, you know, if you listen to that secret audio, I got four dogs. <laughs> and uh, we got these ring cameras all over our house. So we can see when they're getting into shit. And they were tearing at the door. And I could tell they were going to pee. Who did someone forget to open the yes, doggy door? One of us did. And it might have been me. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so. I, I forgot to open the dog door. It was early. You know, I, I, I don't get up that early on a typical Sunday. I'm up at seven out the door at 715 to get to the venue. And I forgot to let the dogs out. So, mm. yeah, they were going to start peeing on the couch, and I couldn't have that. So I had to leave in between the third and the, third and the fourth quarter. Yeah. But I, I got to see the game on the phone. Uh, the fiancé drove, which was nice. Uh, not that it was you know great to watch it, but at least I got to see it. Uh, yeah. So once again, proving that you're a boy and not a Baja man. Exactly. That's, well, that's what I get told every day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, not the best game. The sky is kind of falling right now in Packerland. I think it's starting. The dust is settling a little bit now, but not a great performance when your offense and defense decides to do very little in the second half of a very winnable game against the New York Giants. Yeah, I think we talked about this before, but London games, big travel, anything can happen. No one's home turf. It's like, yeah, we lost and that sucks, but I'm not worried. I know that there's a like, Twitter and even like Reddit is kind of freaking out, which usually they're calmer than Twitter, like about mm-hmm. their, their posts and their whole vibe kind of thing, like their whole thing. And it is like they were tripping. And I just thought that it was over dramatic. It's one of the worst vibes I think we've had probably since uh, losing to the Vikings in 2020. But we're three and two. I that's mean, that's the thing. It's the worst vibes we've had in the Matt Lafleur era. Are we still not still winning the the division? I mean, what or what are the one would like the, to think we are, but you know we're still not the tops of the division anymore. But being a three and two football team and the vibes being this bad, it's like you know once again how blessed we are being <laughs> Packer fans that we're so upset right now after having the 13 win teams the last three years but yes we will talk about the game we will have our normal pick six the six plays that shape the game we will then break down the offense and defense we'll have some take news uh what was attitude audits there's some bad vibes going on in the locker room we'll just run through that after that we will have our trivia is kyle an idiot slash stump spenny we will have a preview of the Jets game and introduce a new segment at the time as well, which is Andrew related, which I'm sure everyone will enjoy. But first, pick six. Pick six. Pick six. Pick six. Yes! 
All right, the Lynn Lake Pick 6 six-pack of the week. Uh, once again, shout out to Lynn Lake. I did actually really enjoy watching the game there. It was the first time watching the game there. Their beer was solid. And also, usually, and I think I've said this in the past, I kind of don't go to bars or other places to watch the game because you always get idiots. No idiots. They're true. I might have been the only idiot. I, I jumped up when they were doing the national anthem that showed a Packer fan singing the... Uh, God save the queen or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, traitor. And I'm like, wait a minute. These people aren't all <laughs> aren't all <laughs> Americans. But great vibes there. And the Mohawk Poodle, their newest beer, was actually very good. And and like I said, not even boosting them because we like them. But the Herkimer was great, you know, back when that existed. But it was just chaotic. You know, there's just drunken people <laughs> everywhere. It was like you're at a bar, like a nightclub. And you're trying to watch the pack. And it seemed like... Uh, previously it was the Packers second to getting wasted first at yeah. the other Packer bars. This was like, Hey, we're watching the Packer game. And then we'd get drew. We drink. Obviously it was a great time. You know, we had bloodies, mimosas. Uh, I'm a, my fiance and I are big pretzel connoisseurs. Mm. Their pretzel was phenomenal. Like it was just, you could tell it was homemade mm. and I'd highly recommend giving that a rip. Well, there you go. Glowing yes. review. And yes, yes. Uh, once again, the only idiots there, well, maybe they were the smart ones, but there were two Giants fans. It was the only yeah, kind of negative. But uh, yep, the first pick six play of the game. Scores three to ten. Packers have a third and four on the Giants 20. And this play, just a simple handoff to Aaron Jones, who picks up a first. This was out of shotgun. A third and four run out of shotgun. Picks up nine. Um you know, anything less than third and four, I don't want them to run out of, but a third and four out of shotgun, if you're running the ball, I'm fine with it. It's not the last play of the series, especially when they're on the 20. You're probably going to go for it on fourth down anyways. But once again, a situation where one might say not the most ideal running situation, but it worked out well for the Packers. I thought you were going to have a different take on that play because I know you hate running out of shotgun mm -hmm. historically. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, but in this case, once again, it worked out and eventually led to the big dog touchdown, making it 3-17, which is he sad, was due. sad to think that uh, that was the score at one point, too. And yeah, I put this out there, too, but this game sucks so bad that later, you know, after I'm sure most people took a nap after watching the game and having a few brewskis, but waking up, I was like, fuck, Big dog scored, and we don't even get to enjoy it because it was such a clusterfuck of a Yeah, game. I mean, you know what's the most bizarre part, too, is that we were with the sweater. Um, yeah. He was at the game. And I felt like, honestly, even through the third quarter, we left because I didn't think there was much to sweat. Um, I mean, I know it still was only one score game, but uh, we always talk about every week here, oh, how do you feel? I felt good, or I didn't, I didn't, I knew we were going to lose the whole time. I I was confident. I didn't think that it was going to go downhill like it did at all until that very end. It was such a weird second half because it was just so damn slow. The Packers only had the three possessions, which we'll get into. But when you have an eight-minute drive like the Giants had, it's tough to get any type of rhythm and offense going. I mean, sure. We saw what happened. Uh, second pick six play. It, the score is still 3-17. to 17. Four minutes left in the first half, third and 13. This is when the Giants really got it going. Daniel, jo Daniel Jones throws it uh, right down the middle, 15 yards to Richie James, his only catch of the game. Um, Packers only rushed four on the play, had Quay spying, and it was an easy, you know, ho-hum throw for Daniel Jones, picking up the first down 
And just a couple plays later, they score on the reverse to their tight end, making it 10 to 17. Um, not good. Not not good at all. Um, but I don't know. There's there's so many. Still, it was like that's just part of football. Obviously, both teams are going to score. Mm-hmm. Also, Daniel Jones did not seem. I know we didn't have an injury designation coming into the game, but he seemed 100%. Like, there was yeah. no... I mean, there was all this talk all week of like, oh, you know, the Giants might be playing with their third string guy because Tyrod's out and one little thing to Jones. And and he was 100%. He was running around. He was getting out of the pocket. He yep. was moving. It, it was just fine. We'll talk about that later, too, because the Giants even ran quite a few bootlegs getting the quarterback out of the pocket. And it, yes, it seems like whatever they put in his ankle really worked because uh, it spruced him up. We talked about a little bit the week before, too, against the Patriots with Mac Jones with kind of the games of is he going to play? Is he not going to play? And Daniel Jones, it was kind of the same deal where, oh, he's on the injury report. Oh, we didn't think he's going to play. And actually, he wasn't very limited at all. It seemed right. Like. Uh, moving on. The third pick six play after the Packers get a field goal at the end of the half and the Giants get one on their first possession of the second half. The score is 13 to 20. Packers have a third and eight on the Giants 36. You know, we kind of forget, but that first drive that we had after uh, halftime moved the ball pretty well. Packers have the ball at the 36. Giants just rush four, but both Newman and Elton kind of missed their blocks. Rodgers gets pressured and is quickly sacked by Newman's guy pushing the Packers out of field goal range and forcing them to punt. But once again, just another, you know, offense did not get it going in the second half and kind of started right. Yeah, there. you call it a blunder, but I mean, you don't really put that on Rodgers for not getting rid of the ball faster, do you? I mean, he's still trying to score and not just it's, uh, stay in field goal range. It's tough, especially when you watch uh, the play right off the line. I mean, Newman is beat pretty quickly and especially pressure up the middle. You can't really do anything okay. out of it. So. Yeah, after that, had a punt, and I mean, we know we didn't score in the second right. half. Uh, moving on to the fourth pick six play after a giant, after the Giants have their eight minute touchdown drive, making it twenty to twenty. Packers get the ball back, and although it's a pick six play, this is all three of them. Aaron Rodgers throws three straight incompletions: one for Lazard, one to Cobb, and then another one deep down the left sideline to Lazard, and nothing. Packers then punt. I would say my biggest gripe with the game is that mm. pick six right there. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that belief. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to repeat every other talking head ever <laughs> that says, well, you know, your running backs are averaging six, whatever yards of carry. Yep. Why are you taking deep bombs uh, and going for a 50 yard pass when you can basically guarantee you run, you know, either short, quick passes and rushes are going to get you a first down after first down because you're 100% solid. You got like the best guys in the fucking game between yep. Rodgers and, and Jones. Um, I mean, you're, you're golden. Quick yep. passes and runs and you're going to fucking score every time you get the ball. And especially in this game with um, the way that they were running the ball, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones were both averaging a combined at least five yards I, per carry. I think it was like 6.1, actually. That's what uh, that's what A.J. Dillon had on his few carries. I think okay. Aaron Jones averaged 4.9. But um, the, the thing with it, too, is just they never had a carry that was less than two yards it's tough here so there's been a lot of (laughs) deep diving on twitter this week with some watching film and there are decent excuses for it zach cruz has gone on 
on it quite a bit actually. God, I keep he's he's been the name this week for Packers sure. Twitter, I guess. Um, but he pointed out that all of them were kind of the right looks. They had the box stacked, one on one matches. Um, the first play there potentially could have been a hold on Lazard. I don't know how much we want to get into that. The second play, Randall Cobb, still not a great replay. It looks like Cobb might have even dropped the ball. And then the third play was kind of dog shit going deep to the Lazard. But it's just very frustrating to see when you need 10 yards and it is a tied game now and you need a series to just incomplete, incomplete, incomplete is pretty rough. And I mean, I'm a Rodgers guy through and through, always have been. And I stand up for him when other people don't like him. Mm -hmm. But at some point, it's like, are you trying to be a hero when no one needs a hero? I don't, you know, it's like we always think of these great moments. Rodgers to Rodgers against Detroit, saving games. Yeah. You know, he's coming back in the fourth quarter. Dude, we don't need that right now. Like, it's a, it's a tie game. There's eight minutes left. Just march the ball down the field with you and your weapons. You don't need some highlight reel. We don't need top 10 ESPN, bro. Just keep <laughs> keep trucking along. Yeah, and that's been the argument this week, too, with Rodgers there's the Matt LaFleur offense and the Aaron Rodgers hero ball offense. I, don't, I think this is a little bit of both. It does seem like the some of the decision-making wasn't as bad as we initially thought, but I don't know. We'll, we, we'll see what happens next week. It's fun to watch Aaron Rodgers bomb the ball and have an amazing receiver catch it, but we got two rookies and Devontae's not here anymore. Yeah. So it's it's not the same. It, you know what's more fun is watching the Packers win. And wow, very good I know. Point. Fucking hot take right here. Yeah, it's, so. it is losing its luster, too, because especially back in the day with Jordy Nelson, I've said this a ton, but the play action bootleg where you just lob it deep to him. We're kind of now when we're going deep with the ball, I used to get excited because he wouldn't take these shots. And now he's doing it so often where it's like, well, I don't have very high expectations. For no, what's exactly. Uh, moving on to the fifth pick six play. Giants get the ball back with nine minutes left. It is still tied, and they are on their 40. Second and 10, Daniel Jones drops back and hits Saquon Barkley over the middle on a little cross from the running back, and he absolutely jukes the shit out of Darnell Savage. He is eventually forced out of bounds at the Packers' 20, but this does lead to a Giants go-ahead touchdown, making it 27-20. to But once again, just a good summation of the defense for this game. A little crossing route. Saquon Barkley, I mean, we held him up pretty well, but, and again, Darnell Savage just appearing to not even know how to tackle when he just gets absolutely juked out of his mind. I'm getting tired of literally saying, asking you, because I'm still not as familiar. I'm asking you every single week, oh, is this something we can expect from other <laughs> running backs to do? And we keep hoping, no, we don't think so. We think it's been a couple flukes, a couple good backs. Every yeah. single back tears us apart. There were, we're seeing eight rush, like, you know, eight yard rushes like five to 10 plus times in a game so far to season from every running back we've played. I know this wasn't that you're talking about. wasn't a rush. It was a pass, yeah. but like I'm becoming whiny about it because I'm irritated that that's what's happening consistently. And like, I know it's so much easier to say, Oh, as fans, we do this, but like, come on, you yeah, know, someone's got to say, Hey, when the guy's got the ball, he's coming at you, move your hands big. And get him like a bear hug, you know? <laughs> move your hands big. Yes, move hands Bear, big, boy. Barry needs to tell him yes. to move their hands big. Yes. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I didn't hate the way we contained Barkley for the most part. I know that's a little out there to say when he had, you know, the touchdowns and every, or the touchdown and all that. He did have the 13 carries for a 5.4 average, which isn't great, but just having him get you for 70 yards. Could have been worse, but on that play there, yes. Obviously not. Well, the yards per carry is pretty good, though. Yeah. You True, know, but 
So if you think about it, when they hand off the ball, our defense crumbles. I mean, to a sense. True. At the same time, I don't think we were expecting to have Daniel Jones throw it 27 times. And Barkley still had the three receptions, the big one, too. But right. yes, could have obviously could have been much. But they better. lied to us about his injury designation. <laughs> they just keep lying. Yes. Uh, moving on. The last pick six play. Packers have a good drive. Once again, they did have two solid moving the ball drives in the second half, but pick up a couple third downs, one to Tunyon, one to Lazard. They then get to the third and two on the Giants five with one minute left. The first play, uh, Rodgers throws incomplete, gets swatted, throwing to Cobb, and then on fourth and two, the read option, Rodgers holds the ball and throws it to the right to Lazard, but once again, that is swatted on the line. Uh, Rob Domofsky tweeted this stat out too. Rodgers had one batted ball all year, and then the final two plays of this game were batted balls. So some pretty bad luck. I don't know if maybe it's, you know, the Giants saw it coming for there was some type of look that Rodgers gave them, but not the best. Uh, a lot of people are saying too, obviously, we had two downs there. Why didn't we run it once? The argument, once again, is that they stacked the box, eight guys there. But even when you watch that final play, it does appear as if Rodgers, if he would have handed it off to Dylan, he might have scored a touchdown, but it's still tough. I don't know. I would have liked more out of that, you know, to have two <laughs> do or die plays back to back and not even get the satisfaction of seeing the ball fly towards the receiver enough for uh, an know, opportunity for an opportunity yeah but it's like you go to the casino and you place your bet and they don't put you're playing blackjack they don't deal you cards they just take <laughs> your money and that's how it felt because like you don't even get the chance no you know what know what it reminds me of is one time going to blackburn your fuck your brother was playing blackjack with me <laughs> and uh i pushed the teller paid me and your brother was like why did you pay him and Joe was like, oh <laughs> took the money back and i look at him and i'm like what are you what, what are you fucking bag. doing what a you literally bag. robbed me of this experience of getting free money and that's what oh, happened this that that is well. a, a much better analogy i love that but yeah that was that was that game we'll get into oh. it a little bit more now here with the offense once again packers lost 27 to 22 some overall thoughts before you go into overall thoughts Fine. i need to say i just oh, feel okay. like it's it's important that we continue uh, you and I specifically to hold the responsible parties responsible mm-hmm. for some actions. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't remember this, but the stats say that Amari Rogers had a fumble. He didn't. He we, didn't. Well, we kept the ball. It was on the punt return. Okay. Deguara. He fumbled and someone else picked it up. Yes. Can we still blame him? You don't need to bring up Amari Rogers <laughs> ever again. I will bring up Amari Rogers. You've shown that you wait and for your, trivia. Yeah. No. You and your <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Moving on to offense. Once again, not very good. Uh, not thrilled. Jones and Dylan, like I said earlier, they're averaging five yards a carry and only finished with 19 combined rushes. Seems like every time we lose a game, for the most part, one of the top things you can say is, why didn't we run the ball more? And obviously, once again, that seemed to be the case. Uh, The run pass option is turning into a pretty good excuse, I feel like. After every game, if the offense doesn't produce, it's like, yeah, well, you know, we had this look, we so that's why we passed it. Oh, we had this look, that's why we ran it. It feels a lot like uh, during draft time when, Goody or Ted Thompson back in the day would say, oh, we took the best player available. It's just a nice coverall statement. So 
hey, that's the look that we had, and we went with it. Just so. to confirm, the run pass option is that something that like Lafleur says, hey, you make the you make the call, Rogers. You can run or pass. It's your option. And then he says he looks at the defense. And he chooses what he wants to do. That's precisely And 95% of the time, Rodgers is going to say, oh, I'm going to take the option to pass. Yes. So yes. LaFleur's pushing blame onto Rodgers is what you're saying by no that one, kind no of? No one's blaming either person. Even on those plays where Rodgers held onto the ball, it was against a stacked box. Um, it's okay. It's worked well in the past, but it's these shotgun plays that we're talking about. Rodgers takes the snap. And as he's taking the snap, he's looking at the defense and he's looking at the line of scrimmage, seeing who's there. And if there's space, he'll hand the ball off to AJ. Gotcha. If there isn't, he holds on to it and tries to make a play. And that's what happened. That makes last sense. Couple plays. But yeah, um, a little frustrating with the offense. I don't think we'll have back to back offensive um, shit bed shits, I'll just say. Um, but it's like I said, it's the hero ball with Rodgers. It's not sticking with the run game. I I don't I have we'll see what happens it it I don't like how we're also allowing defenses to dictate what we do on offense once again the excuse after the game was well these looks they had so many guys in the box but at some point then they're running your calls right exactly and it's funny because we'll get into it later too it's exactly the opposite of what the Packers defense does We, we allow the opposing defense to dictate what we're gonna do on offense and on defense we just let them do whatever and just kind of sit back and play patty cake. Sure. But those are my initial thoughts. Moving on. Quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. We should be playing Baker's man. Oh, what are you? Took me too long on that one. Yeah, way too long. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, 25 for 39, 222 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He did have a pass rating of 96.3. Once again, kind of strange because there just wasn't a lot of offense in the second half, but... Once again, he's just a little bit off on these deep throws. Don't love the hero ball we keep seeing. And if nothing else, you know, we can say he's the two-time MVP. Absolutely. So how much, you know, can we really complain? But at the same time, he is making $50 million a year to play quarterback. And he is not really living up to the standards of what his contract is. I just want to play devil, like contrarian point here Mm -hmm. in that is it, if he had Devontae, I, I know we talked about this every week, would these balls be caught, though? Because then his hero balls are like the the Rodgers you want to see. They're like, I'm excited that he's going to take this opportunity to throw this ball because there is an 85% chance it's going to be caught. And yeah, Watson's not going to make those same plays because he's played four games to this date. So I, what is what gives is what I, I'm asking. I guess, but at the same time, if Devontae Adams was on this team right now, it wouldn't be much different than what we had last year and okay. the year before, and that the, didn't work. The receiving core just really hasn't changed around him. We're still waiting for the rookies to come into their own. We'll talk about them, but would the offense be better right now with Devontae of Adams? Of course. Absolutely, but would the offense be better I'm, week 17 or next year with Devontae Adams as opposed to getting these I'm not really asking there. We'll see. I'm not really asking about the offense. I'm asking about would we be upset with Aaron's choices yes. if he had better players around him? And, you know, because here's the thing. If those ball, guys catch those balls, those hero balls, which I complained about already, Okay. Uh, are, are we happier with his play obviously this is all i'm going to say do you remember the niners game last year in the playoffs yes what did we do in that game we threw it to Devonte adams like fucking oh we forced him the ball yes. and we did not okay sure i see what you're saying yep it's, it's yep. damned if you do damned if you don't nope. thank so you thank on. you for answering my question and that's all i need to go we can move on <laughs> okay god 
<laughs> That's good. <laughs> We're on to greener pastures. Uh, moving on to running backs. Aaron Jones, 13 carries, 63 yards, a 4.8 average. A.J. Dillon had six carries for 34 yards. And in the passing game, only the two receptions for Aaron Jones, 17 yards. A.J. Dillon did not have a target or a reception. You know, these are the guys we said at the beginning of the year, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur at the beginning of the year said, you know, these are the guys that are going to make the offense move. And we haven't seen it so much. We just always kind of get pulled away. Matt Schneidman tweeted this out. Aaron Jones ranks first among all NFL running backs with 6.39 yards per carry, but he is tied for 19th in rushing attempts with 61. Not the best. Um, and like I said, feels like they aren't giving him or Dylan the ball enough in the pass game. Uh, these guys out of the backfield, Once again, it seems like any time we get them involved, no matter which way, it's positive for the offense. And that just hasn't happened the last few weeks. Um, I think I might have said it earlier to you. But second half, Aaron Jones only had six carries. Almost arguable like that's okay. A.J. Dillon had two. Second half right. football against this Giants defense, he had two carries. Not the best. Um, I'm hoping to see more in the future. Matt LaFleur always says, you know, we got to get Aaron Jones the ball more. But, I mean, God, now going into year four, it's getting a little concerning, especially when you're losing games and he's not touching the ball enough. I mean, arguably one of the best running backs in the league and definitely the second or third best player on our team. Mm -hmm. We should obviously be utilizing in a, in a game-winning scenario. Yeah, it's to the point with me where it's like almost every play needs to not be about Aaron Jones, but we talk about different formations and similar things, things that look the same, but are different plays. And Aaron Jones, I mean, God, just you could either give him the ball, you could throw him the ball, you could pretend like you are. I just feel like either way, he needs to be involved a little bit more to just get the offense moving. Moving on to wide receiver Randall Cobb, obviously the receiver of this game. Finished with seven receptions and 99 yards. Very funny. After last week, I said I don't think he'll ever have a game this year with six or more receptions. And, of course, he comes out and has seven. But, yeah, great game. Picked up the 35 yards on the third down pass over the middle from Rodgers in that first series. Um, and overall, he just looks really good. It's, it's very weird to see how open Randall Cobb is getting. Like, he actually looks younger compared to last year. Uh, Rogers today on the Pat McAfee show said that when Cobb came over, he might have been a little banged up from being with the Texans last year. And then he did have his own um, abdomen injury last year, which he recovered from. So maybe a healthy Randall Cobb is just what this offense needs to at least be that second or third option in the passing game. Well, that and I mean, I obviously Cobb has the most experience on our receiving core. He's obviously not getting covered by like corner one typically or corner two so it's allowing him you know more of that room to to get open against more inexperienced corners as yeah, well he's usually playing out of the slot which yeah usually right. your best guy isn't playing out of there uh, moving on to alan lazard the four receptions 35 yards and the one touchdown um you know i said it last week i like alan lazard but if you had a team of just alan R lazards on offense at wide receiver you're not going to have a very good offense he just doesn't separate as much as you would like for someone who's the pseudo number one receiver for this team right now. Um, we'll see. Obviously, he's huge in the in the run game and blocking, but right now, I don't know. Well, it's a week-by-week -week league, but it feels like we need to get more Romeo Dubs out there and Christian Watson, but 
I don't know if that's going to happen, especially after hearing Rodgers this week talk on McAfee. He did say we need to find more plays for Lazard, and he did not say the same about Romeo Dubs. So we will see what happens there. Romeo Dubs, uh, you know, I really I'm starting to think the season kind of rests in his hands. Not so much, you know, don't want to say that there's that much pressure on him, but I don't think this offense is going to be consistent enough running through Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Robert Tunyon, at least in the passing game, if Romeo Dubs isn't getting more involved. He did finish with the three receptions and 29 yards, did have the one real nice play for 22 and the screen play that he got absolutely annihilated on. But I don't know. We'll see. I wish Aaron Rodgers was staring down Romeo Dubs instead of staring down Alan Lazard. Um, moving on, Christian Watson, the other rookie, got hurt. He did spell... Uh, Amari Rogers on kick return, but this has been the problem with Christian Watson. He is, you know, when they both showed up, him and Dubs for rookie mini camp, a lot of reporters were saying Romeo Dubs looks built and Christian Watson looks kind of skinny. And we're, it seems like we're finding out he is a little bit fragile. <laughs> Hopefully he can right the ship, but he's had lingering hamstring injuries. This is what knocked him out of this game as well. I don't know if it's going to be a lost season, but God, he's going to have to put on some weight here in the future if he wants to actually be a number one receiver in the NFL. So we expect to see him back next week, though. I don't know. Is this like a long term injury or just like a, a lingering small thing? It doesn't seem like it. We don't know. You know, he left the game and was questionable, never okay. returned, and we don't get injury updates until Wednesday's. Sure. Today is Tuesday. Very good. Very good. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. I'm still holding out a lot of hope for Christian Watson, his long-term future. But for this year, he's going to have to get healthy and get a little bit more involved. To With rookies, is it like a four-year deal by by drafting, or is that changed by the pick you picked them? Uh, so every most rookies, are when, when they're drafted and signed, it's a four-year deal. If you're drafted in the first round, you can have a fifth-year option, which you have to uh, activate going into the fourth year. We'll talk about that with Darnell Savage. But usually, yeah, just four years. And with rookies or with wide receivers, uh, you kind of you don't expect much out of rookie wide receivers. Second year wide receivers, you're like, okay, this guy could probably be a little bit more productive. And the third year is supposed to really be when they come into their own. That's, they're shining. They're they're who they are. Yeah, okay, and that's cool. kind of what happened with Devonte Adams as well. Right. Yep. Uh, moving on to tight end Robert Tunyon. You know, finished with four receptions, 23 yards. He picked up a couple first downs, didn't look super fast on them. But the biggest play that he had was that pass interference that he got called on him on the goal line. Love the acting job there too. put his, you know, it's he was really trying to get the ball. But once it got too close and there was a little bit too much contact, his legs just absolutely gave out under him and he crumbled to the ground. It's so it was a pretty easy flag. A little basketballish there, but we yeah. loved it. Uh, Josiah DeGuara. Back-to-back -back catches, 12 and 7. I don't remember him being involved in the offense much at all before <laughs> this game. Maybe we'll see him a little bit more than Tyler Davis, who's gotten quite a few snaps, but we haven't seen much production from him. Yeah, I was surprised about the turnaround in the tight ends there. Like, I mean, you said Davis would be the second guy after Tanyan, you know, we thought too, and it yeah. wasn't the case. I was just thinking usually you get the oddball touchdowns, and of course, I, I was like, well, Big Dog's had so many touchdowns in London, I think... We're going to think it's going to be Big Dog scoring, but actually it'll be Tyler Davis and, of course, Big Dog actually scored. Right. And yes, um, going back to that, Big Dog, he did just have the one catch, 
two yards and about the easiest touchdown you'll ever have that double reverse and he's just standing there wide open so hey, that's all you need nice to see that um the offensive line they only gave up two sacks but looking at the stats a little bit more this is all according to pro football focus Pressures allowed versus the New York Giants. David Bakhtiari gave up one. Yash and Runyon and Myers gave up zero. Royce Newman gave up four. And Elton Jenkins gave up zero. Uh, Runyon also is one of the only interior offensive linemen to not give up a sack on the season or a pressure, I should say. Wow. Uh, run blocking. David Bakhtiari was below average. Yash below average. Runyon average. Myers bad. Newton bad. And Elton Jenkins had a high quality blocking grade so once again elton's had a bad year pass blocking but a pretty good uh year run blocking this game was a little goofy too we've had this rotation between david bakhtiari and yash nyman at left tackle last week like we said against uh, the patriots yash played uh only three snaps and this week david bakhtiari and yash rotated every single series and yash actually ended up with more snaps coach said on monday that with travel and the harder surface in London, they didn't want to risk David's knee all that much, so they did go back to the rotation. Um, we'll see if there's anything else going on about that. Rob Domofsky tweeted something out about David Bakhtiari, which we'll get to later. But, uh, yeah, that is it for the offense. I don't know. We'll see what happens. It hasn't been, obviously, the greatest season of offense to start the year, but... If nothing else, when the offense and defense are the problem, like they were in this game, I have a lot more trust in Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur to right the ship than I would someone like Joe Barry. So I'm not worried yet, just, you know, I'm that, becoming concerned. That's a really good point that you just made. Thank like you. we've had so many struggles with our defense that just cannot pull it together. And we've had to know, like, our offense needs to score 30 plus points or we're not going to win because we can't count on stopping, you know, them six out of six times or whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, I like, I, mm-hmm. I totally agree. I'm uh, not add much value, but I, I just want to say the public agrees with you. Thank you. I, I speak on behalf say, yeah, of them. I'm, I'm used to that, but yes. yes. Um, and with this game too, a lot of, a lot of idiots. I was, I was, uh, <laughs> texting with Hank, who's who was part of the show last year. He wanted Jordan. He was pissed. He was like, I would rather watch Jordan Love than Aaron Rodgers. And I'm like, yeah, the second half was pretty bad, but we gave up fucking 27 points to Daniel Jones. Well, Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. I mean, I think he's going to be a good quarterback. Like, statistically, if you look at okay. Daniel Jones, okay. we don't have to even get into okay. that, but he's not garbage. Okay. With that, we will be back after this quick commercial break with the defense. <laughs> All right. And we are back with the defense. Yeah. Like I said there, defense, not a very good game. I am pretty much out on Joe Barry. I've never really been in on Joe Barry, but... How long has Joe Barry been around? This is his second year as a defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. And um, before them, we had someone who no one liked either. Yeah, um, Mike Patton. Mike Patton, yes. No one ever likes the defensive coordinator. Okay, you sure. might You might like him for a few games. Is but he like a fall guy a lot of times? Like, pretty like much. He's like, oh, we lost. Blame it on the defense. Especially in Green Bay and with Dom Capers. He was the fall guy for like five years. I remember Cap- people hated Capers. Hated him. Everyone, it, Every defensive coordinator now is just a different iteration of Dom Capers okay. in most Packer fans' minds. But yes... Not a very good uh, game for the defense. Daniel Jones has started 30 games since 2020. This was just the seventh time he's had a pass rating over 100. And I'm, I did not look this part up, but I would guess this is the only time he's had that happen and didn't throw a uh, touchdown pass. 
I take back my previous statements about Daniel Jones. Yeah, thank you. So not a fan of Joe Barry. We've talked about this before, but it's some pretty basic ass looks. All we do is really we'll have it's either the penny with two down linemen or one linebacker and a bunch of defensive backs or we'll go our normal base. But all we ever seem to do is rush four, rush five. We did actually rush six once in this game, but we blitz less than I think any other team in this league. We're at least in the bottom third. But when it's not working, I don't understand why we keep going with it. Well, we don't give up big plays, right? Like that's a, yeah. a very true statistic. And I, I hate to blame our defense as much as everyone else because if our offense did their job, there's where the mistakes were made. Our defense would have allowed us to win this game. They won't they didn't they didn't cause us to lose. So it's not like you know a bunch of things happened and they just allowed New York to stomp all over us. Granted the eight minute drive obviously didn't help either. Mm-hmm. But I mean in general, our defense is at a place where if our offense comes together and does their job at least above average or, or, or how they should, what they're expected to do, sure. we're not losing because of our defense. I, I, I would be firmly on that. I guess. But once again, when you give up 27 points to the New York Giants, I don't feel great about winning that game. We haven't put up more than 27 points. I think we've only done that twice this year. Sure. But yeah, not feeling good about it. Going back to this, uh, I think I did this last year, too. This is a quote from Matt LaFleur after firing Mike, Mike Pettin, what he was looking for in a new defensive coordinator. Quote, what we saw from our defense at the end of the season, just our ability to swarm and give that great energy and effort. That is what we're looking for. Uh, we have a pretty clear process and clear vision of what we're looking for. And I think that will come out here in the near future, whatever. Okay, absolutely. Quote. I think if you look at the great defenses around the league, there's a certain mentality that comes with it. It's not necessarily what you're calling, but how you're playing every call. I do think that there's some areas where we can continue to educate our players and be great in those situations so that if a third down and short, so that if it's third down and short, you're not playing way off. You don't want to give up any freebies. You don't, or you want to make people earn every inch of grass. And this defense once again, like I talked about with the um, the pickup on third down from Daniel Jones to Richie James, we rushed four. We had a one-man spy, and it was the most lackluster, nothing defense. These teams we go up against, we saw it last week with Zappi, too. We go out there and just try to passively stop them. We, It's like uh, Mike Pettin in the past where it's bend, don't break. Like you said, you know, if it's a, it's very slow, methodical drives but that is what the Packers fucking kryptonite is it's what the Packers try to do is have very long drives that eat up a lot of clock but we saw it in this game the Giants got the ball took eight minutes off the clock scored a touchdown Packers get the ball back eat up a minute of clock give it back it's just it's not something sustainable for a defense and Joe Barry really doesn't have any excuses or anything to look back on in his past for being a good defensive coordinator I just I don't think there's much upside with Joe Barry. Where Joe Barry come from? He was the uh, he was a inside linebacker coach for the Rams and had some pretty decent inside linebackers while he was there. Even sure. some undrafted guys who played well. And before that, he was the defensive coordinator with the Redskins back in the day and the Lions back in the day. So he's he's been a defensive coordinator and he's never coached a very good defense. Gotcha. And now he's got all the talent in the world. We think and still can't do anything. Um. Something else to talk about. This is a stat from PFF Mike. 
The Packers have given up the second fewest passing yards in the NFL through five weeks, yet somehow they've allowed the most yards of any defense on crossing routes, 327. Once again, this is what absolutely killed us. Um, it appears that these teams are just watching what works against our defense and they will do it again and again and again. We saw it with the bootlegs as well. It's just... I mean, that would be the logical thing to do, right? Like, look at tape on who you're playing and say, here's how we're going to beat them. But sometimes, like, the Packers... Uh, well, you can go back and forth on this. The Packers will have decent working plays. We saw it with the run game, and yep. did they stick with it? Sure. Not so much. Um, I don't know. It's... I, I'm done with giving him the benefit of the bout, of, of the doubt. Um, I keep going back to the Cardinals game last year when Joe Barry had COVID. Jerry Gray, our defensive backs coach, and uh, he's been a defensive coordinator in the past. He called a great game. We were banged up and battered. The last play of that game, when Razul Douglas had the game-sealing INT, we rushed eight guys and brought the pressure sealed the game. Joe Barry would have never done that. I'd rather go down swinging than go down looking, and that's what it feels like. Probably haven't Joe rushed Barry's. seven guys since that. Huh? Probably haven't even rushed seven guys since that. I would think we have, probably, but okay. I don't know. That was that was about a, yeah, it was a year ago. It was in October. Okay. But yeah, that's, that's where I'm at with the defense. Moving on, we can talk about the individual position groups. Do you want us to, I guess, you know, switch our focus and and our our energy into a Joe Barry campaign instead of the whole Amari thing. I have a lot of time on my hands. No, <laughs> I'd rather. Yeah, I'd rather get rid of Joe Barry than get rid of Amari Rogers. Amari Rogers is just such he's he's a little fly. And Joe Barry is like, I don't know, a nope. cancer that's going to kill me. That that is fine. Moving on to Jair Alexander uh, had a couple big hits. It was nice to see him with the shoulder injury from last year still. Being a willing tackler, for the most part, he took uh, Saquon down a handful of times. Um, they, you know, didn't have the best game when targeted either, though. Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes, the two best corners for the Packers, they were targeted a combined nine times and allowed nine completions for 114 yards. Not very good. Eric Stokes did not have a very good game. He graded out a 4.3, which is not good. That is failing. Um, and yeah, he's just, he's a fast guy, but he's slow on these crossing routes and it's just not working for the Packers. Once again, Joe Barry is, a, has a zone defense for the most part, a little bit of man here, but Stokes and Jair don't seem to play very well in a zone. Razul Douglas has been a very good, uh, zone corner. And speaking of Razul graded out very poorly, not so much even the plays on the field. He was beat a few times, but the two costly penalties, he had two holding calls. One of them, I think, was a fine call. The other one was terrible, terrible. Both of those calls came after sacks that the Packers had on first down. Could have completely changed the second half of the game. He also had that unnecessary roughness penalty, which was such bullshit. I mean, we watched at Lynn Lake, so I couldn't hear the speakers that much. Right. But they were saying, you know, the whistle blew and he still tackled the guy, but... I don't know. It was a good thing, bad thing, because I didn't hear the whistle, but also I didn't uh, have to hear Mark Sanchez announce, which seemed to be what a lot of people were talking about as well. Yeah, I didn't recognize either of those two announcers, actually. Yeah, no, they're I like... Uh, I thought they were like London guys, maybe, or something. I just had no idea who they <laughs> no, were. Mark Sanchez, I hope this is his last year calling games, because he, he literally just yells sometimes on the mic, and the other guy, he's more of a college football guy. He okay. was fine, but I... 
I'd be fine if I never hear from Mark Sanchez again. Moving on to safety, Adrian Amos uh, had a bounce back game, I guess, after a rough start. He was the lone guy who could save the Saquon Wildcat uh, run. So it, uh, I was glad to see him at least track that and stop that uh, instead of letting him go. Um, moving on, Darnell Savage. I am very worried about Darnell Savage. He has a coverage grade on the season of 36.2, which is the lowest among all safeties in the league with over 100 snaps. He, It's looking more and more like picking up his fourth-year option or fifth-year option. I forget what it's called. You, you pick it up in the fourth year. Uh, was a mistake. So we've already agreed to pay him $8 million next year, and he's looking like a below-average safety. In the run game, it just feels like every time anyone's crashing down and missing a tackle, it's Darnell Savage, and he throws his arms up. The other thing that Matt LaFleur talked about in Monday's presser was how the defensive backs and the defense as in general aren't getting lined up very quickly, um, and that's affecting everyone getting to their place, especially in his own defense. And I swear to God, if someone's out of place, it's usually Darnell Savage who's looking around and throws his arms up before a play, so... I don't know. Hopefully we see improvement from him. Every time I get down on him, he bounces back and has a good game. So maybe we'll see that, but kind of the same thing you just did with Cobb, you know, he's never going to have more than six catches and here we go. Mm -hmm. But at least I like Cobb. I've always been in Cobb's camp. That's fair. Moving on to inside linebacker, Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker aren't doing too well. Devondre just doesn't look like the same player he was last year. He's looking a little bit slow. He's, you know, the guy in the middle too, and he hasn't been very good at handing off the crossing routes his grade from PFF was 35.4 um, in pass coverage on the season. But the thing with Quay too, it's uh, <laughs> he, the thing, the good thing that he had is I liked on the one play, he pushed someone out of bounds and the player he pushed out actually ran into first time I've seen this someone on the sideline who had a bow tie on. I would oh, yeah. I, I assume <laughs> that's mostly because it was a London game. So it was some British dude, but uh yeah, I, I guess a lot of the staffers and people doing stuff around the stadium to help the teams were, were definitely from London. Yes. And this uh, reminds me, Andrew, um, what are your thoughts on speaking of guys running into someone? What are your thoughts yeah. on Devonte Adams? I pushing you know, the photographer that was at first I was shocked. I, I thought he was just being a fucking huge dick. Mm-hmm. And I kind of still agree. I mean, either way, you are what, six, five and 200 and some pounds. You're built like a rock. Even if someone gets in front of you, <laughs> you got to be aware of, of your situation. I get you're mad. You lost whatever. Yeah. You can't be pushing guys who are five, four holding up a camera like that's that's just not OK. Granted, like you said, I, I, you know, the guy who went to the hospital. OK, is he a dramatic little baby? Of course, he doesn't need to go. His knee is scraped. He's going to live. Sure. Uh, outrageous but come on Devonte, you got to be better hold your cool that's how you get those like reputation of being you know the top tier player who doesn't lose his cool and like who just is good to people which you want you like, want that for the locker room like terrell owens <laughs> yes do more push-ups in your garage uh-huh. yes yeah no it's it was weird to see Devonte do that i do think it's a little overblown the shove because but on characteristic too i feel like he's been a pretty quality yeah. locker room and stuff guy granted look you push someone over i are you a huge asshole forever or did you just act out in the moment because he thought he was running India? I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, if the guy's actually injured, sure, but it really looks like a money grab. Devonte obviously shouldn't have done it, but at the same time, like 
Come on, the fucking photographer ran right in front of Devonte while he's trying to leave the game. Like, at least be a little more aware. And I hope he doesn't get a fucking dime from Devonte. Yeah, he, I mean, Devonte's still in the wrong. It's not like Devo- here's the thing. I think some of the things now that I I didn't know about this till an hour ago, but I've been kind of browsing, mm-hmm. and it's like some people make it seem like Devonte saw this man at halftime and decided that after the game he was going to chase him down and beat the shit out of him. Like he didn't, he didn't, yeah. he didn't take a step towards him or, 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 you know, he just didn't move out of the way. Yeah. And, and I think as that, a bulldozer, that so. initial clip, the guy comes out of nowhere. You can't really see you assuming it was just standing there and gets shoved. And then you see another angle and the dude like ran in front of Devante. But yeah, the way, first clip that's cycling, do you think the guy just sits there? It was, and then yeah. Devante just like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. I wonder if he's going to get suspended. Uh, moving on to outside linebacker. Rashawn Gary should have had a sack, but it was wiped out by Razul's holding. He did have three pressures. We'll see if he ends up being still being a candidate for defensive player of the year. Moving on to Preston Smith. He was the highest rated player on defense, had four pressures, and the only player to have a sack for the Packers on the day. Uh, Jonathan Garvin, second uh, game in a row, he had a pass blocked. You know, last week he had a pressure. This week he got his hands on a ball. So, you know, after not seeing him do much of anything, it was nice to see him do something two games in a row. And then defensive line, Kenny Clark, three pressures. He's obviously having a Pro Bowl caliber season. But I'm starting to get sick of Dean Lowry and uh, Reed. It's just been, once again, thought this would be the year where Kenny would get some help. Hasn't gotten much. The one guy who I'm getting a little bit excited for is TJ Slayton. He didn't play a hell of a lot, but he did play a lot for him. They only had four defensive linemen active in this game. He was one of them and played fairly well, or at least blew up a couple offensive linemen on the inside. So hopefully we can see some more snaps out of him. Is he a rookie or a young guy? He is a second year uh, defensive lineman. He was a fifth or sixth round pick last year okay out of florida very very athletic he's a big guy obviously he's a defensive tackle but he can dunk does he love football he (laughs) that's a very good question i think he (laughs) i do think he loves football but good only time only time will tell we need hard workers too Mm -hmm. hardworking uh football athletes who love football um moving on to special teams once again, I mean, I don't know how much we need to get into it, but Amari Rogers, obviously on his one punt return, started running it up and fumbled. But thank God, literally thank God, Josiah the Messiah was there to, well, he caught the fumble. Someone else eventually recovered it. But Amari just, there's no positive with him as the punt returner. I was thinking he was like a better version of Darius Slayton, who, you know, was the guy at NDSU, real small dude a few years ago. I I think he might just be Darius Slayton who played for Clemson at this point. Right. And Coach T. Martin is yet to reply to my request for comment. Okay. Thank you for that. Yes. Uh, I I was pissed I couldn't remember his name last week. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon, another huge play that could have happened. Just a foot away from scooping up that fumble on the uh, oh that went out of bounds that loose ball that went out of bounds that's a game I mean once again could have been once again a game changer you know if the damn football wasn't shaped the way it is maybe he could have gotten one of them bounces Um, moving on really nice fire drill at the end of the half a lot of people don't like you know they bitch about the timeouts and stuff but on that final drive going into halftime with about thirty seconds left. Rogers throws that out to Tunyon, gets tackled in bounds, and the team was very, very good about getting the field goal unit on the field and set up and got that 48-yard field goal, I believe, 
just in time. So like seeing that, that is seeing a well-coached special teams unit. And uh, with Amos being back at this game, having Keyshawn Nixon and Rudy Ford back on the special teams, once again, our units were great. And looking at the DVOA of special teams on the season, the Packers are ranked 11th. So you can loosely say we have an a, an average to above average special team. So, and with that, we will have take news football time. Take news. All right, take news for the week. Uh, a lot of people saw after the game, a you know, a little bit of drama popping up with the Packers. You know, is the locker room in good shape? Uh, you know, after the game, Rogers talked about uh, Matt Schneiman brought up how J.R. Alexander said that he's not worried, but he'll be worried next week if they lose. Rogers and the presser said, hey, we don't have to be talking like that. We don't have to even think about putting that out in the universe of us losing. Then today on Pat McAfee, it was once again brought up. It's early in the season for this type of stuff to happen. Do you feel any of that? Do you hear about any of that? And is it getting blown out of proportion, you think, outside of the building like what we normally do, Eric? Uh, yes, of course it is. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Happy to hear Look, I, mean, I, I love Jair. He's one of my all-time favorite teammates. He's a fantastic guy. Um, I wasn't even referencing his comments. You know, there was uh, there was a comment made in the locker room. And anytime, you know, I'm speaking in front of the guys after a game or I'm at the podium uh, or I'm on this show, uh, and same for everybody else. You know, I do my weekly on Wednesday in front of the locker room. In the locker room, everybody else has their different times who are, who are speakers. We have uh, we are the mouthpieces uh, to set the narrative for the locker room. And there's an important responsibility with that. Basically, the big thing is, and this is the right way to look at it, even if you don't agree with what Rogers said over the last week, he said, we are the mouthpieces to set the narrative with the locker room. So... Andrew, figured we could have a little attitude audit here. We're going to run through a few things that were said in the locker room, and you're going to give me, you know, how your vibe coming off of, you know, this attitude audit for how the locker room is. Can I just say, I love the attitude audit. I'm going to take this and do it with my fiance at the end of the day, (laughs) and we can make sure that she's also, you know, keeping the best vibe out there we can in Mm -hmm. the living room. Uh, That can only bring good things. (laughs) First thing we'll talk about, this is a tweet from Ryan Wood. TJ Slayton said the biggest surprise today was how often the Giants called bootlegs with Daniel Jones. It's something the Packers knew was part of the Giants offense, but they didn't stop it. Once Brian Dable saw the Packers couldn't defend it, he kept calling it. Packers never adjusted. Obviously, he didn't say that, but he did say that we knew they were going to run bootlegs and we couldn't stop it. Andrew, is it troublesome that a defensive player is saying, you know, calling out the defense of this team almost? So that's what I was going to ask you. Is the player who tweeted that a defensive player, right? You said his name, but I'm not as... Um, yes, you TJ know, Slate. It's the okay, guy, I know it, you said Slate, and I just want to make sure... It's the guy you asked that I'm five answering, minutes ago. Yeah, I just want to make sure I'm answering mm-hmm. as that perspective. Yeah, of course it's troubling. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I go into work at a place and you got five guys out there and you're saying... To one of them, you're talking shit about how everyone else is doing it. The whole morale's it's it's going. You can't do it. You can't tweet about going to a hangout with your friends and say, "Oh, these friends suck," or "These friends don't do the fun things I think they should do," mm-hmm. and then show up at their house. They're they're <laughs> not gonna want to hang out with you. Okay. That's I, not good at that's all. That's what a crazy person would do. A- absolutely. Yeah, I'm not so concerned with this one. T.J. Slayton, he 
hasn't talked to the media a shit ton in his first couple years. But you keep that to yourself. Maybe you say it to your brother uh, over dinner saying, yeah, hey, I wish what coach would do something better. But you don't show it to the world to show that you're part of causing turmoil. I guess. But this is a thing where I think he was asked a very pointed question about the bootlegs. And he just said, you know, we thought they were coming, but we just couldn't really stop it. He's a down lineman. He's one of the guys who would be chasing Daniel Jones. And I don't think he really I don't think he really saw that this quote would be played the way it was, at least with Ryan. I think in a position of a professional athlete you need to see how what you say is going to be taken i mean it's not like this is the first time quotes have been taken out of context or projected in a way to make media media true so he has to be more aware of his surroundings and that's exactly why aaron Rodgers said what he said and i guess also we usually don't have too many rough patches like this so we're a little less accustomed to this the next uh attitude audit rob domofsky tweeted this out yeah a little troublesome here uh, make of this what you will, but Yash Nyman has been in. David Bakhtari just sits at the end of the bench. The rest of the offensive guys stand near the sideline. He then quote tweeted himself and said, maybe he needs a rest. Maybe he's not happy. He's not playing the whole game, but he's not getting medical attention. We'll try to ask him after the game. We haven't gotten an update on this, but Andrew is David Bakhtari sitting on the bench when everyone else on offense is standing up on the sideline. Is this troublesome? no i'm okay with that okay. way more than i am speaking out against your own team that's like i uh, you don't always have to do what everyone else is doing especially if you're a little bit tired get a rest i'm mm-hmm. okay with that I have, I have no qualms i think who, the tweeter is more of trying to make an issue and a talking point for him own self and maybe the, i don't own know self. i didn't watch the game but i watched the game so i didn't pay attention to who was sitting and standing every single time the right. cameras panned over but like is it pretty common for players to, to sit down and take a rest in between plays as opposed to stand there? Also, the guy just came back for the first time two weeks ago. Give him a, a breather. I don't know about all of his conditioning. I mean, no, I think that's a, a, a no, it's a stupid take. Yeah, it's Rob Domofsky. He does stir stuff up. It'll be interesting to see what David says. It'll be very easy for him to sidestep it and say, oh, he was just tired. You know, he's fresh off his knees. But Still, not the best look. Probably just prying a little bit more than we need to. Uh, David probably wanted to play more in that game, but there's a lot worse things that could be going on. Andrew, I mean, yeah, if nope. he was sitting there with his shoes off, you know, fucking on his phone texting, I, I could see it being a different look. True, true. And so, yeah, I guess, thank God he wasn't at least doing that. I wonder how good his coverage was in London anyways, if he would have pulled his phone That's off. true. Uh, and the last one we'll talk about, the biggest one, this is from Cody Krupp. This made some waves. Aaron Jones on Packers passing on third and two and fourth and two, nearing one minute left at the six-yard line down a touchdown. Quote, I'd put my money on giving me or A.J. Dillon two downs to get two yards. I'd put money on it. So the quote is a little more sensational than the actual thing he said. I will play that clip here. Third and two, and he'll run pass option and fourth and two, but they were stacking the box or you know obviously forced the pass but you think you guys could have ran out of the way you, you know the talent you and Dylan have besides that you you know you're gonna uh, get those two yards no matter what I put my money on it you give me an AJ two downs to get two yards uh I put my money on it so uh but at the same time I don't I'm not the quarterback so I don't know what A-Rod's seen um and they made a good defensive play to bat it down so um you know we just go back to the drawing board and put our heads down and keep working so Andrew thoughts love aaron jones Mm -hmm. um i was expecting to be like oh 
you know how you said it was going to be more dramatic in the the sound i don't think it was he laughed a little bit while he was saying it he was chill i think halfway through he kind of realized shit i don't step on the godfather's toes <laughs> and he's like i'm not the quarterback maybe aaron did see something different you know right. so um i think like I, I that's just frustration that's not talking shit that's not going out and saying you know oh so and so is bad he's even saying the other running back would have done the same mm -hmm. so it's more so the play call granted it was probably aaron's play call as well that was wrong but like he acknowledges he doesn't see what Rod aaron Rodgers is seeing yeah and it, it, he's not straight up saying aaron Rodgers made a bad play just saying you know if it went my way i believe i'm a, any professional is going to say that they're a professional athlete they are confident in their abilities they're going to get two yards on two plays yes it, and you know there's been a little bit of chatter about this because i saw aaron jones even like retweeted something where someone called out the reporter for giving him like you know a question that's going to get him in trouble but i don't think a asking the question is that big of a deal it's funny because you know some the people are trying to make this into something but it's like what if he would have said no i don't he was literally asked do you think you could get two yards and in those downs and he's like yes i think i would get those yards what if you would you have wanted him to say no i'm gonna try <laughs> to give you like the stupidest analogy i can think of you go to get your taxes done at h&r oh block and a manager fucks it up somehow right mm -hmm. and then you go to like the normal guy and you say hey would you have overlooked this he's not gonna say yeah i would always <laughs> overlook that <laughs> i would always overlook buying yeah. that and writing that off he's he's gonna say no i I would have tried to yeah. find that myself, too, because that's still his job. Yeah. So Aaron Jones has a job and he says, yeah, I'm a running back. I could have ran the ball. That's all he said. Pretty much. And there's nothing to it. He's one of the most polite, well-mannered guys on the team. I really don't think he thought anything of it when he said it. And he's probably pissed off. That it's, it's blowing out of proportion. It's stupid. And giving it attention more than we have would be a waste of our time. Agreed. And do you know what else is stupid? potentially kyle this week is kyle an idiot. i'm not an idiot okay you sure yes all right is kyle an idiot for the week andrew you have you've had 12 questions so far i think you have like two and a half i, I think i'd take the over but it's, that would mean i probably have the under so <laughs> it's either two and a half or three and a half yes so uh andrew are you ready for I'm your ready. first question i'm ready andrew which of these names is a former packer jeff jenkins brino giacomini Sheev palpatine jeff jenkins Ooh, andrew okay i'll run through these Sheev palpatine is the uh, true name of the Emperor in the Star Wars series. Okay, so far so good. Uh, Brino Giacomini was a offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers God. in the mid two thousands, and Jeff Jenkins is a outfielder. Was an outfielder. Okay, there's a Leroy the, Jenkins. There's a Leroy Jenkins. It's still he's still not a he's, Packer. Player. Okay, but he's a player. Uh, uh, a World of Warcraft player. Yes, okay. Jeff Jenkins. Is that, is that what? It is? Jeff Jenkins. That's was what it, a, a stupid video yes. meme. That's why it sounded so familiar. Okay, I'm not going to do it, but you get it. Jeff Jenkins is an outfielder, was an outfielder for the Brewers. Your, okay. Yeah, your father would be very Gosh upset dang with you. it. Moving on, 0 for 1 on the week. I'm I also 0 for 4 on those questions specifically. Who was a Packer? I haven't gotten one right, I don't believe. No, no. I Yes, correct. You yeah. have not. Andrew, your second question. Who currently leads the Packers in receiving yards? Yeah, that's going to be Dubs. 
That is Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb has 249. <sighs> Romeo Dubs has 213. Oof. <sighs> Can he go over? Ooh, this is... Yeah. I think you're going to go over. You're not going to get this I'm one. I'm not going to, huh? All right. Andrew, we are playing the New York Jets this week. We are. What former Packer tight end signed with the Jets in 2008, just a couple months before the Packers traded Brett Favre to the Jets? What former Packer went over to the Jets? The Packers. Yeah. And uh, he was a, he a tight end, you said? Yep. Um, 2008. Okay. No, I was going to go the guy that we took from New Orleans, but it wasn't him. Um, nope. No. I, I honestly, I, I, I can't even say a name to you because, <laughs> as we funny. know, that 08 range is right when I got mm-hmm, in there. Mm-hmm. So I, I just. The legend, uh, big shout out to Victor, is Bubba Franks. Bubba yeah. Franks, first round pick out of Miami, played one season with the Jets, and after that he retired from the NFL. So. There's a zero percent chance I would have, All I right. would have even well, guessed that. Ironic because you were zero percent on the week. Ah, uh, yeah. So Andrew, maybe That's I pretty, can pretty bad something week. right here. What is my stump spending question? So I found uh, you know, obviously over the week I had to do a lot of research on uh, Coach T. Martin, which led me to my question of the week. What college does sorry let me rephrase what college has the green bay packers taken more first round picks from than any other college okay and this is all time all time yeah there's a couple i mean notre dame way back in the day i mean georgia from one specifically university of course i mean i'm just gonna play it safe and i'm gonna say georgia you would be wrong. Okay. That would be the University of Minnesota, actually. Yeah? Yep. And they have um, eight from first that round one picks. university. First eight first round picks are from the University of Minnesota. And this is since 1950. Before that, uh, you know, I don't know if it wasn't recorded, but Wikipedia <laughs> okay. just gives me from 1950 on. Okay. So, so uh, well, I guess you should have given me that, but I probably wouldn't have. I mean, anyways, yeah, but. that's fair. Well, All right. Well, that was very good. We were over for the week. Yes, both of us. Very, so we're very equal. Smart. We know the same amount statistically <laughs> about the Packers. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right. Just had a fact check there. Uh, yes, Andrew was right. The last time he drafted uh, a gopher in the first round was 1990. And the time before that was 1966. So a lot before 66. A lot, most of the gophers drafted <laughs> were drafted in the 30s. So... <laughs> Yes. Okay. Not, okay. Know you know. Hey. But moving on, hopefully something better. A preview of the Jets game. The Packers play at noon on Fox. We have the A team. It is uh, Brickhart and Greg Olson, your favorite guy. Oh, yeah. Top two. Uh, Vegas. Uh, well, let's get right into that. Uh, you know what? We'll do a little bit more of the preview first, and then we'll have Andrew's betting segment. Uh, what, are, what are we favored by right now? Eight we're, and a half? We're favored by seven, actually. Seven? I okay. think it opened up at eight and a half, and it's moved down. Okay. That makes so sense. That Thank you for... <laughs> yes. Uh, the Jets are three and two coming off a big victory last week against Miami. On offense, they're 11th in points per game. Only one team has thrown the ball more than the Jets, yet they are only 26th in yards per pass in the league. They are 23rd in yards per rush at a 4.3 average, but Brees Hall, their rookie, is getting 4.9 yards a carry and had 18 rushes for 97 yards last week against the Dolphins, along with a 79-yard touchdown reception. 
Um, at wide receiver, they have Corey Davis, their leading guy, and then a couple of young guys, Garrett Wilson, the rookie, and Elijah Moore, who's a second-year player. Uh, Tyler Conklin, their tight end, is also having a solid year for a tight end who I don't think anyone thought would be very good, and he has 21 receptions. Zach Wilson is back. Uh, he was 14 for 21 last week with 210 yards, but he did run one in. Not a great quarterback, but we will see. On defense, decent run D, uh, seventh in the league in yards per carry, only giving up four yards per carry. Uh, Quinnen Williams, their stud on the defensive line, has three sacks, and Carl Lawson, their defensive end, has two and a half. They are fifth in the league in takeaways per game, so they get quite a few, quite a few picks for the most part. But yeah, that's the Jets. Uh, not a very familiar opponent. New York to New York, back to back weeks. I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a little concerned because it's a Robert Sala coach team who is Matt Lafleur, our head coach, his best friend. So we'll see. A little defensive minded, a little bit of momentum going forward after shit kicking the Dolphins last week. Not the best get right situation. I'm glad it's at Lambeau at least. I was just going to ask where this game was. So. Yes, it's yeah at Lambeau. Matt Lafleur has never lost back to back regular season games, so I feel good about that. But I don't know, vibes aren't the best right now in Packerland. So you know, it could be another shitty game, letdown, or I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Rodgers blows the top off and just rips the Jets apart. But uh, with that, I don't have a ton to talk about going into the game that I haven't. Andrew, I think this is a great time to announce your your new well, segment we can absolutely get into my segment but do we not do our projections first or does that come we'll do after? that after okay okay yeah. we don't want to end on yeah you. um well i don't know if we're final on the name <laughs> but uh so far we're at uh sharps shithead it's selections? okay so the segment is either going to be called and if you got an idea feel free to tweet us email Please. us whatever it's either going to be guaranteed loser bet of the week <laughs> Or uh, Shithead Sharp bet of the week. Yes. That is Andrew. Andrew, what is your bet of the week? Well, so far, I know it's early, but I am loving the Saints who are getting two points at home. And they are playing the Bengals. Um, One of the things I like to look at quickly is the yards per play. Mm -hmm. Saints are number seven at 6.1. Okay. And... I think the Bengals have just not been good this year. And anyway, long story short, don't bet the Saints because I'm going to. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> and that was our segment. You know, I was I assumed it was going to be a Packer thing. Maybe we'll do that going forward. Oh, yeah. I mean, we always talk <laughs> about that anyway. I always talk about what I like about the Pack anyway. Yeah, but I would... I would want to focus on that because we are a Packers podcast. But hey, let's yes. maybe. But for l- the poor man, and poor man sometimes get distracted. I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. I guess we'll see. Maybe if this bet wins, we'll stick with. We'll go from there. Yeah. Until you lose. But, you know, it's supposed to be. All loser. right. But with that, Andrew, what is your score prediction for this week? Yeah. Well, the over under is 45. Um, I'm going, I'm going under. I'm going to go pack win again in a nail biter, but they. They come out 27, 17. Let's, that's, that's 54. Oh, you, geez, Louise. Well, not only that, sometimes you really just don't listen to yourself. You said, I, I think. I said under. Yeah, I, no, I did. You said, I think it's going to be a close one. And then you said, uh, you said a Let nail biter. Let me rephrase. Close in that. I think our score 
will not reflect the game flow and how it has been played. Okay. So it will be a tougher match than mm-hmm. it looks to be at just the scoreboard. Okay. So it'll, but it'll be a nail biter where we win by ten and cover. Well, if you bet on the over under, <laughs> okay. uh, sorry, if you bet on the uh, pack, yeah, you're gonna be a nail biting the whole way to make okay. sure to get that seven covered. Okay, I have a score prediction of twenty four to twenty two. I, I just the vibes right now aren't good. I think we got to get right. Maybe we'll be better at Lambo, but I do think it's going to be a close game. Wouldn't be surprised if it's something similar to last week where the Jets. Have a second round or a second half rally, or maybe we shit the bed in the first half and we have to do that in the second half. But we will see. Andrew, what is your bold prediction for the week? Yeah, bold prediction. I'm gonna go. Uh, we have three plus sacks and an interception. Okay. I don't know how bold if that's bold enough. I feel like we average like one a game, so that's three x. No. Well, Gary's had one a game all year. I think it's our defense. Yeah, but that's there's a lot of players. On <laughs> All right, the let me go. Let me go four. Let me take four. Four okay. and an interception. Okay, a really four. good defensive game here. Okay, we'll see. Um, yeah, I guess that's bold enough. We'll roll with that. Uh, my bold prediction. I've kind of gone back and forth. I'm going to change what I have written down. He's had a bad week. You've kind of gotten on him all year, but I think maybe he'll bounce back in this game. I have Devondre Campbell making two splash plays. Rather that being a forced fumble, a interception, or a sack, I think you will have two of those game-breaking plays in this game. We could parlay both of ours together and have even a nicer. Uh, I yeah. I want as little to do with you as possible. <laughs> Once you leave, you're done. Talk to me next Tuesday. But with that, everyone's favorite part of the episode. If you could please subscribe, leave a five-star review or rating, that would be cool. Uh, Apple or Spotify. Uh, if you leave a review on iTunes, take a screenshot, shot it, oof, email it to us at pmppodcast at gmail.com or DM it to us on Twitter at pmppod. Um, you can follow us on Twitter too. I should have said this last week. We were so close, but we finally gave away that freaking Mercedes Lewis <laughs> jersey of course we wait forever to get enough followers and then we have that and we gain like 300 followers afterwards so a <laughs> little funny but um we're also on amazon podcast i don't know if that was on purpose but every time i tell alexa to play uh, on my kitchen yeah she plays it from amazon podcast so if you well, for yeah. some reason only listen to podcasts <laughs> on your amazon alexa Give her a rip. Hey, Rate it uh, up there too. I mean, however you're listening to it now, uh, we you can find us wherever podcasts are available. I think I just put it up on like this one website and it just okay because I didn't even know else. you did that. And then I was like on Amazon. And it, the funny part is, is it reads the entire description <laughs> before it plays the podcast. So I have it's like it takes like two minutes or whatever. Yeah, but she's just Siri, just oh, or whatever. Alexa's okay. just talking to you at you, and it's like, what is she even? I thought at first I thought she was talking the podcast out like repeating our words and i was like there's no way that's happening so i had to go investigate yes. so that's uh, what we found so go ahead and listen on uh amazon podcast but with that <laughs> andrew i don't have anything else do you have anything else no see you next tuesday all right uh with that eric koskinen please don't sue us
Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams pushed over a photographer following the game against the Chiefs. And the Kansas City police are investigating. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, watch. Uh, I went to bed. Watch you the know? clip. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. I didn't know there was going to be after game <laughs> activities. I just pushes person post game video coming. Hang on. He apologized. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? <laughs> the guy wasn't even in his way. Well, there's a different angle. Okay, this angle, it's like he straight up went over to that guy, shoved him, and walks into the locker room. Yeah. yeah That's no. a very incriminating angle. Yeah, and there is... Wow. I mean, I know it was a great game, and Devontae had a great game. Mm-hmm. What a fucking prick. Um, Maybe that's why we sent him. Mm-hmm. Protect our photographers. But here, here's another angle of it. Oh, okay. In that angle, the guy's like walking in his way and he's yeah. just saying, move. Yeah. Okay. Because like the guy's walking, not looking where he's going. And Devante, obviously a big guy's like, get. But <laughs> in the initial one, it's like Devante sought that fucker out. It's like he was heckling me think the whole fucking game. The, the fucking dude he went oh. to, he went to the hospital. Are you kidding? And now he's suing Devontae Adams. Apparently, he's pressing charges. He's a, I just was reading. He's a freelance photographer for ESPN, which means he's not even like employed by ESPN. I'm not knocking the guy at all. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, I get it. Did you see the report? Did he, I mean, he went to it the fucking hospital. He, over is, a, he isn't believed to have life-threatening injuries. That was part of the of the initial. Well, statement. if he did, he had him before the fucking push too. Yeah, you know. Yeah. 